Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a wonderful edition of Nick's Nonfiction. You are here with the wonderful host, Nick Munez. Today we have the king of cocaine, the savant of cigars, the psychoanalyzer himself, Sigmund Freud, with the interpretation of dreams. Dreams are the royal road to the unconscious. Dreams say what they mean, but they don't say it in daytime language. Sigmund started that idiom you hear at the bar, drunken words speak sober thoughts. Today we're going to be anal probing around our subconscious to see what our dreams are trying to tell us. He's going to get plenty metaphysical on us. He says, if a woman dreams of falling, it almost invariably has a sexual sense. She is imagining herself as a fallen woman. He's going to start to sound like a palm reader halfway through, an astrology girl. He's got a lot of redeeming quotes. He believes nothing that is mentally our own can ever be lost. You got to go easy on those beheading videos out there. Same goes for the dungeon porn, ladies. The things that I was shown on efuck.com as a teenager by my buddies, thats it haunts my nightmares to this day. For like every good theory that Freud has, there's 10 bad ones that follow it up. He invented the Oedipus Complex. He has the very scientific theorem that states everyone wants to have sex with their mom. I want to fuck my mom so bad. You too, right? Anybody? And we got the soundboard back as well. Very excited. I've been missing the second half of me out here. (laughs) Yeah, I want to fuck my mom, right? What is this guy talking about? He plagiarizes all of the Greeks like Oedipus. As Dr. Freud said, if it isn't one thing, it's your mother. Freud was a self-proclaimed libertine. Do you know what this means? It's a fancy way to say he drew porn in his spare time. And what, this guy could only draw stepmom comics? That's literally the central tenet of his psychological theory. You want to bang your mom. In philosophy, we call that an a priori assertion, but this is psychology. So as long as you shove a pill down someone's throat, you've done your job. I think psychology is the pharmaceutical branch of philosophy. And yes, people think differently. Let's find out why. Psychology is saying people think differently. Danger! Crazy! We gotta medicate everybody! Standard automatons only! Sigmund Freud fulfilled his prescription for cocaine every single day, so we know he would never lie to us, right? (laughs) There was a quote in the book where he admits to having daydreams about blow. Like, this guy's a therapist, and he smoked 20 cigars a day. That's like having an obese doctor. You're supposed to be telling me how to break my addictions? (laughs) Fraud. I mean, Freud. Sorry, Freudian slip. He was the one who theorized the psychic structure, which is id, ego, and superego. We've read the Greeks here. Logos, ethos, pathos. That kind of sounds familiar. You want to hear a Freud joke? Here you go again. (laughs) All right, we'll follow this one up. Why didn't the bouncer let Freud into the club? He forgot his id. Thank you, thank you. It's not even like he adds on to these theories. He just attaches his subconscious pseudoscience and takes it to the hills. He's from the Austrian Empire, so that checks out. And you know, (laughs) modern day, they're full steam ahead into the lockdowns. They are abusing the discovery of operant conditioning, which Freud stole from Pavlov. 
these thieves are remembered longer in history than the actual inventors. Sigmund pulled a Thomas Edison on all the thinkers at the time. He got us hooked on the light bulb that is mental health medication. Freud did propose a famous question that it's still unanswered to this day. What do women want? <laughs> Apparently at the bedrock of their insecurity is penis envy. I'm starting to like this guy. He's got some good questions. This book is about dreams rather than taking Dramamine like Freud would probably prescribe you today. We're going to try to find the natural remedies, get in touch with what our subconscious is trying to tell us and terrorize us with in our nightmares. And good thing Nightmare on Elm Street came out after Freud died because he probably would have counterfeited that too. <laughs> Enjoy yourselves a topical meme. We'll be right back. Welcome back about the author Sigismund Shlomo Freud. That's his real name. I will be taking the liberty of calling him Shlomo today. Also make sure you're following Harry Schwant on Instagram, Fuego Memas, and then uh, patreon.com slash the niche. He was born May 6th, 1856, died in 1939. Homie was an Austrian neurologist, founder of psychoanalysis. Yeah, because nobody ever looked at someone and wondered what they were thinking. His main redeeming quality is that his number one student was Carl Jung. How does Sigismund know he's done working? His brain is Freud. Yeah, baby, that's a good joke. His brain was Freud. <laughs> Plagiarized Nietzsche a whole lot. Uh, his fellow Prussian over there. Freud lived and worked in Vienna, 1886 to 1938. He escaped Nazi persecution. He had some stories about his dad being pushed off the sidewalk because he was a Jew. He died in exile in the United Kingdom. I wonder if Freud today would be against the Nuremberg Code, you know, experimental injections. <laughs> Why are the best psychoanalysts Asian? Because they grew up listening to Pink Freud. Hell yeah, baby. The Freud legacy lives on. You know, his nephew is Edward Bernays, who is considered the father of American propaganda. In his obituary, he's referred to as the father of public opinion, invented the term PSYOP. Does anyone think uh, this is a synonym for mass formation psychosis? People are going full MFP out here. Uh, doesn't end there with Eddie Bernays. Bernays' offspring is Mark Rudolph, the co-founder of Netflix, <laughs> the world's leading propaganda machine. Mark Rudolph says Netflix's biggest competitor is sleep. Out here in Boulder, most people don't even own a TV. I do. I'm on the tit. It's just wild to see the different worlds. What's with all the secrecy, the name changing, the Freuds to the Bernays to the Rudolphs? <laughs> I guess it's all a coincidence. Freud stinks like shit, you know? He's an addict. He was alive. He spent more time high on cocaine than sober. Take the doctor's orders. He might be an invalid. Some of his information is valid. He might be... Actually, that deserves... Yes, a wordplay. And he's much like his German buddy Klaus Schwab. They're exposing the discoveries of psychology and how it's being used against us. So what do uh, Sigmund Freud and Bill Cosby have in common? They both explore the unconscious. 
We got seven chapters of Shlomo today. He's coming up after a word from our sponsors. Alrighty, welcome back. Sigmund Freud's The Interpretation of Dreams, Chapter 1, Stimuliar. Spends the longest chapter of the book lying about stimulus. In the first paragraph, he posits his thesis for the book. I'm about to establish proof that there is a psychological technique which will make it possible to interpret dreams. Psychological technique, not symbolism. You know those books you buy at the airport where it's like if you dream of money, you have good fortune coming your way. It's a fun read. It's based on nothing. Freud wants to prove that dreams are linked to the subconscious. So he starts by reviewing older theories of dreams. Quote, Prehistoric views of dreams are echoed in the views of the people of classical antiquity, Greece and Rome. For these people, dreams had supernatural and metaphysical significance. They were revelations from gods and daemons. Matt Damon, been haunting our dreams since classical antiquity. What's up with this guy and all the books? They're partially right, assuming there are signs from above. You know, Freud is saying these are only signs from within. We have a little duality off the bat. Aristotle did a ton of dream journaling. He thought he could piece together what the gods were trying to tell him. Then along comes Socrates, who said, it's impossible to know. His famous quote, I know that I know nothing. The Socratic paradox kind of put a hold on science for a while because no one was allowed to act like they knew anything. <laughs> Freud gives us a timestamp of what they thought in 1800, and it basically hasn't changed. Dreams offer an escape from waking life. If you go back in our Library of Congress, we got that book, Why We Sleep. It's a four-hour edition. And life would be an unbearable slog if you didn't get to just punch out every night for eight hours. Freud calls this unfounded, and he says dreams may be a continuum of waking life. Kind of similar, they're troubleshooting your subconscious. If it's like a continuum then how come I can't access the memories on either side? When I'm dreaming, I can't just pull lucid dream, and when I'm awake, I can't remember all my dreams? Mostly consistent up until this point, and now Freud takes a firm position. <laughs> He's going to cross his legs. All the material making up the content of a dream is in some way derived from experience. That is to say, has been reproduced or remembered in the dream, so much as least we may regard as an indisputed fact. Only your dreams come from within. You see, it's the opposite saying that your dreams come from on high. Yo, didn't the Virgin Mary get told <laughs> by a holy ghost she was going to get knocked up in the middle of the night? The Bible has a word to dispute with Freud. It's because he's Jewish. He's trying to science up the wonder of sleep. You can only dream what you have seen before. Homie, I'm going to have to disagree with you on this one. I have dreamt up some giga monsters, some supermodels that I could have never imagined. <laughs> the 72 virgin Muslim heaven was sending that one down to me. It's somewhat true in the sense that everyone has, like, within their dreams, their dream school. I don't mean Harvard or Stanford. You have that weird landscape of your high school, and there's that reoccurring dream people report. <laughs> it's the first day of classes. Your schedule is messed up. You don't know where you are. We are all indoctrinated and traumatized in learning penitentiaries. As children, this experience gets distorted 
into like uh, the dream school I'm saying you go to. The point here, you base your dreams off of reality for sure. I'm not sure the only ability for worldly objects to come through dreams is because you've seen it. His thesis, it's not a testable phenomena, so <laughs> a really brave stance here, Freud. He goes on to contradict himself some more in the first chapter. These seemingly new elements of dreams do come from our experience. It's just that our conscious selves can't remember where they come from. Okay, it's a self-defeating argument. You can draw any connection from a dream item into the real world. This is one hell of a confirmation bias. But what Sigmund calls <laughs> beyond waking memory... Uh, modern psychoanalysts would call confirmation bias I've said on the show like I have a lot of dreams where I can run on all fours <laughs> like a horse I'm cooking it of course I've seen animals do it but I've never seen a person beefing it down a country road 50 miles per hour so how is this coming into my dreamscape if I've seen everything before I could get Freudian on myself and say well, I remember crawling on all fours as a child, and that's why you think you're a horse. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's not causation. It really is Freudian correlation, free association. I'm beyond my waking memory. Freud went on to say this, dreams choose the materials they use. And doesn't that directly, like give personifying qualities to the dream the dreams choose what they do but i thought it's all from inside he's not being consistent dreams i gotta break the wall here the first of the walls dreams are the most psychedelic thing that we have when you're in a dream it feels like you're being taken for a ride you're not in full control you can't even throw a punch in a dream it's like punching underwater Punching in a dream, Freud is a nightmare. What was that? The naked and the famous good angsty 2010s alternative rock music. Punching in a dream. He is saying that dreams have their own things that limit you. So then why would I create that dream? I want to have a dream where I'm Superman. He's like um taking a stimulant head a speed approach to dreams when it's a very psychedelic it's the astral plane as the greeks would say he was addicted to adderall too i take the dream so that my memories can create a story he thinks he's like writing <laughs> you'll see this guy's a writer he's not a scientist redemption quote he said here nothing which we have once possessed can be entirely lost so again, he makes some good points here and there, but then you watch a documentary about Freud and these people, well, he must have invented the fact that we can't forget anything. People have said this forever. I don't know, why are we giving him credit? <laughs> because his grandson owns Netflix? He goes on to talk about the three kinds of stimuli, internal, external, and then purely physical which makes no sense. He wastes 20 pages. You go to a Philosophy 101 class, the first day is external versus internal stimuli. It's uh, how your mentality deciphers the stimuli. Like how you process things is the most important. The classic, you touch a stove, it's how you respond. Are you going to be afraid of hot stoves forever or are you just going to learn not to touch the top? Freud is going, you internalize it and then want to fuck your mom. Thankfully moves on to another question. 
which debunks one of his claims about the waking continuum, Freud asked, why are dreams forgotten after waking? <laughs> if, as he says, dreams come from all within, why can't I remember it? Things are memorable when they're about you, right? You have to put things in second person to, you did this. Freudian dreamscapes have to be the most memorable place on earth. It's built by you, for you, and you're experiencing it. Shouldn't this be burned into your memory? <laughs> Freud goes, I have little commentary of my own to offer. Right, because it would falsify your claim. As the book goes on, you'll see, man. This guy is a clinician, and all... <laughs> it's dogma. He's Dr. Dogma. All you need is confidence and a white lab coat. Some of the worst advice I've ever received has been from clinicians. If you were going to act overconfident and smart like a doctor, the book you would have to write would have to be about dreams, because nobody can ever second-check you or discover the whole truth. <laughs> there are some irredeemable quotes you'll see coming up goes on to end the chapter he's making another dastardly claim dreams think predominantly in visual images okay so now dreams are thinking it's not your internal stimuli is that why paul mccartney and Jimi hendrix heard music in their dreams <laughs> well they've heard every note before so they reorganized it in their dreams to make a sound argument, he should have said most people favor visual stimuli. Therefore, that's how they dream. Because, if you don't know this, blind people dream in sound and feel. He posed a couple good questions before the end of chapter 1 out of 7 here. He said, what are dreams for? And then he responds to himself, he said it's an escape. It's kind of like Matthew Walker, Why We Sleep, except that guy actually did studies. He's saying the waking continuum <laughs> makes it so you have an escape. That's a good contradiction. I don't know, man. When you ha like your alarm goes off in the morning, you still feel like you're sleepy. So there's the continuum, but the worlds start to bleed together. And that's because I think your brain is on exogenous DMT. There literally are psychedelic chemicals cycling through your synapses while you're asleep. <laughs> Freud, do more cocaine. He never mentions this. It's the best theory to support most of his, his internal stimuli. You got interdimensional portals in your brain. Yeah. Uh, Freud, let's go to chapter two. Evidence evasion. Homeboy thinks that, like... The scientifical and philosophical structure he set up is already sound, so he's going to move on to lay out his own method for interpreting dreams. He identifies two methods. He calls them symbolic dream interpretation and the decoding method. You don't have to really if I can remember any of this. He states both methods are flawed and neither one is suitable for a truly tr scientific treatment of the subject. So he says, I have these two methods. But they're both flawed, and neither one suitably do a scientific treatment. Why'd you tell us? Since the symbols... See how dumb it is to read? This thing was 600 pages. This guy fucking sucks. Shlomo was the first to, you know, come up with this term psychoanalytics. So he's the first one to ever help someone else with a mental illness. The What this means is he was the first one to open a clinical, uh, like a office building he was going you're not a paying customer it used to be more therapist 
you are a mentally deranged person and I am going to save you. Like, <laughs> maybe we should psychoanalyze Shlomo's God complex. He has a medical degree, so whatever he says goes, I can't question him. You didn't use to be considered sick if you wanted someone to talk to. It's the whole point here. He's going, no, these people are ill. <laughs> this guy <clears throat> is the original pill pusher. Freud took on some people like patients suffering from hysterical phobias. Yo, Freud said that for men to not be manic, they have to be allowed to have free, unfettered sex with their wife. <laughs> I'm starting to like this guy, I'm telling you. It's um complete pseudoscience. He says, I learned to unravel these hysterical phobia people with their... Path <laughs> with my pathological ideas in order to find out the source of their symptoms. So, okay, what was this method you were going to tell us about? You can't just say, I have these two methods, and then go, well, my pathological ideas told me what was wrong. There's no method to psychoanalyzation. <laughs> like, you ask your therapist to put his method on the wall, there is no method. He's just winging it. I think, honestly, there is more reality in sociology because you're taking large groups of people and seeing how they react you know profiling or for cops we say being racist when you see 100 psychos a day or who's packing heat you know who is closer to snapping and you know freud is in his fucking office doing cocaine and smoking cigars apparently he has a better finger on the pulse it hasn't really been anything testable up to this point he goes this same unraveling can be applied to the interpretation of dreams <laughs> so he's going your dreams are a good uh seismograph to tell you when you're about to have a mental break give sigmund a cop badge out here i'd like to see if this guy could tell when a meth head is about to unravel during treatment he would ask his patients to tell him every idea or thought that occurred to them in connection with some particular subject. He's saying if you follow an association back to its source, you can understand a dream. Okay, free association is scientific now. Hare Krishna, Krishna, Patel, Patel, Brothers, Grim, Grim, Fairy Tales. This is retarded. <laughs> you know, you need to have substance. Otherwise, what is this dream even saying? You need to decode the language of dreams. And he's saying the only way to do that is with my brain. Fuck you, bro. W with this idea, you think he's giving you free reign. You could trace any idea back to the source. I have, <laughs> I mean, I guess modern science, you got to credit this to, but your brain has all these weird trees of knowledge, and it's actually much trippier than just stupid word association. The human brain is capable of non-local communication. This is some mysterious quantum superpower. Your brain can do left hemisphere to bottom right hemisphere, places that aren't even connected. Like if you torture a twin on one side of the earth, the other one knows what's wrong. Your brain is able to do this type of unexplained shite. Your brain breaks the rules of theoretical physics every night when it blasts you off into hyperspace. Our scientists continually ignore all of these approaches for their fucking metaphysical mumbo-jumbo. You're tripping. 
Freud is boxing us in. He's not giving us more rope here. He's going, you have to trace everything back to the core stimuli. All the cool parts <laughs> are being thrown out the window. Telepathy, psychedelical chemicals. Damn. Boring. I told this recently, I think. I had a dream about my bike getting stolen. I don't own a bike. Where's my internal stimuli coming from? <laughs> I wake up at 3 a.m. and then there's a hobo walking down the alley carrying a bike. He wasn't even riding it. This is a dumb theory of Freud's, like, internal state. I feel like my dream signal got crossed with someone else. Because if they had that dream, their stimuli would have kicked in. And they would have went and saved their bike. Even better, fucking this week at 3 a.m., a tow truck comes to predatorily tow one of my neighbors. Because, you know, his sticker was facing the wrong way. So I go and knock on his door. I'm like, sorry to wake you up, dude. You probably want to go outside. And he was able to get the tow truck to put his car down. I have no idea how. Didn't get much sleep. No dreams that night. <laughs> this is, uh, yeah, I guess I had internal stimuli. I should, yo, this is a business. You follow around a tow truck and then go warn people before they get towed. Yeah, baby, fight the power. Parking laws suck my dick. I'll park my Walter White meth trailer on Main Street. Associations can be used to psychoanalyze people. I'm not denying that here, main part of the chapter. You know, they have the Rorschach test and all the psychology offices. Look at this ink blot, and I'll tell you everything that's wrong with your life. <laughs> it works somehow. That's what makes dreams so interesting, I think. There's no plot you have to follow or something you have to trace back to the source. It's just free-form creativity. I think we'll use some, like, American Dad. They do a lot of good dream episodes for the intro for the show. Literally, dreams have nothing. <laughs> Go inside yourself and really... Is this guy lying to me and trying to sell me drugs? This quote is completely unforgivable. It shows this guy is hiding evidence that doesn't support his theory. Having analyzed over a thousand dreams in this way, I cannot use them as examples in the interpretation of dreams. For one thing, my critics would find it too easy to dismiss my findings by saying that the symptoms of neurotics and hysterics don't apply to the dream lives of regular Joes. English translation of regular Joes German? Regular Jurgens? <laughs> uh... Yeah, this guy's a straight-up liar. I can't use a thousand of my studies because it would contradict and my critics would find it too easy to dispute the interpretation of... Didn't this guy's publisher chime in and be like, Shlomo, you're not allowed to hide evidence. This is science, you said? What are you, Pfizer? <laughs> 75 years you can request to hide your data? Automatically, his 1,000 diagnoses are bunk because there's no control group, so I don't even care if he put them in the book. <laughs> this man is a straight-up science fiction writer. He goes on to say, for this reason, my own dreams are the primary source of material for the research. So if you ask him to point you to the source of information, he goes, well, it's all in my head. Literally. it's. <laughs> he says it's from my own dream interpretation. What the fuck? Got a longer quote here. Straight up author, not a scientist. 
I was in a large hall with many other people, including my patient Irma. I took Irma aside to scold her for not moving forward with my recommended treatment. Irma complained of terrible pains in her throat and stomach. I found white patches and scabs inside her mouth, along with some remarkably curly structures. Dr. M examined Irma and confirmed my findings. As the men stand around Irma and examine Dr. M declares, it was an infection. With certainty, I knew that Irma's infection has come from an injection that Dr. M has given to her. How do you know that, Sigmund? He's straight up saying he can diagnose people in his sleep. He's a seance. Trust the science. Maybe this is like the best satire ever written. I just don't understand it. He's fucking bragging about his ethereal powers. Fuck this guy. He's got one correct observation. He said the dreams made his friends look bad so he could feel better. So he's going, <laughs> there's something to learn from my dreams. It's probably the same situation being played out in more of his dreams. Enough evidence for him to jump to another ascientific conclusion. Every dream, not just this one, is a fulfillment of a, of a wish. Every dream. I call poppycock. We're going to chapter three, wishy-washy. Finally coming around to the unexplained side, this guy just said, a dream is a wish your heart makes. Maybe Walt Disney stole that one from Shlomo. <laughs> I'm a Shlomo sexual. Why do black people always have nightmares? Because the last one who had a dream got shot. <laughs> I like this one better. Hell yeah. Martin Luther King getting shot joke. Uh, this guy's going to run another marathon with this false premise. We'll give him the benefit of the doubt for this chapter because all cynical isn't fun. Starts us with some famous hypnosis, which you probably stole from Anton Mesmer. Quote, imagine yourself walking a narrow defile and now you suddenly emerge upon a piece of high ground where the path divides and the finest prospects open up on every side. He says, like, the fact that your mind is capable of picturing this landscape shows that you can wish your dream. It's a decent point, but this still debunks his first one about external stimuli. Who's keeping score anyway? By showing you can imagine things in your mind, imagine yourself floating in the ocean. Um, a million tiny seahorses swim up to you and tickle your sides. Um, the fact that you can do this shows that imagination doesn't have to make sense. It just goes where your mind wants to. I guess I'm wrong too. <laughs> you know, wishes don't have to make sense either. Most people's wishes are not realistic. Uh, nothing has to be. We're going total mesophysical. Meza. Meta World Peace Call Me. He mentioned a term called dreams of convenience. This is like that thing when you have a dream that you're starting your day and then your alarm goes off and you're like, fuck, I just brushed my teeth and drove to work for nothing. I wasted dream space. That means he's going, your nine to five cubicle reality is fulfilling your deepest wish because that's what you're dreaming about. Freud logic. He doesn't give any testable experimental evidence. He's going dreams of convenience instead have to be seen through patience. So we got this anecdotal story 
For example, one woman dreamed that she was on her period when in fact she was pregnant. I interpreted this dream as an expression of the woman's desire to go on enjoying her freedom a little longer before shouldering the burden of motherhood. What's wrong, Doc? Looks to me like you're pregnant, but the dream gods are telling me you and I should have sex before the fetus grows too large. Sigmund was known for having sex with all of his patients. This guy is like the king of the quacks. The pregnant mom is just sitting there. Yeah, obviously I wish I didn't have to be pregnant right now. There's an organism living inside of me. What do you want me to do with this information? <laughs> Some doctor you are. He's doing his own free association. And then not even tell him what should people should do about it. Let me find a redemption quote. I don't even think this one is from the interpretation of dreams. It's not in this note. The masses... Have never thirsted for truth, Sigmund said this. They demand illusions and cannot do without them. They constantly give what is unreal precedence over what is real. They are almost as strongly influenced by what is untrue as by what is true. Does that sound a little bit like a dream of convenience? <laughs> Yo, people hate reality. I forgot who said this one, but when people have nothing to believe in, any lie will suffice. <laughs> Does this people demand illusions? I want to push the red button in the voting booth every four years to know I'm participating in democracy. Mass formation psychosis could also be called a dream of convenience. Everyone's living in some loopy la-la land. My government loves me. With a little bit of compliance, everything will go back to normal. This is a delusion of grandeur. We should start putting these people in the loony bin. <laughs> is Santa Claus real too? Fucking dreams of convenience, mass formation, psychosis. It's all part of Mark Rudolph, father of propaganda. <laughs> All this shit infects academia, too. I remember taking ag abnormal psychology. Like, if we don't need to spend, holy shit, six months talking about serial killers, go watch some documentaries. Good point by fraud that... <laughs> fraud, I keep doing it. It's for real. Sigmund, this chapter. Sigismund. Adults often report dreams of convenience while kids have pure wish fulfillment. <laughs> He's saying that your dreams are boring and kids' brains have a grasp on potential so they can have fun dreams. I don't know, man. I have, like, vibrant dreams. A lot of them are about fucking nature. Some about running on all fours, doing fucking Madison Square ground in the round in the garden. I have a lot of fucking dreams about being Spider-Man. I fear that the older I get, he might be right, and your dreams just become more, <laughs> like, boring and in touch with reality. You dream about sharpening pencils. That's probably what happens when you let your wishes die internally. But now I'm getting Freudian. He remarked, It's unknown what animals dream about, but I suspect that their dreams are wish fulfillments, too. Did Freud fuck another pig on their period to get this data? How does he know this? He's Eliza Thornberry. He can communicate with sleeping animals. Stop it, Sigmund. You're lying. <laughs> it's like the thing how science says dogs can only see in black and white. How do you know this? How could you possibly ever see through another animal's eyes? They do those uh, 
color tests and dogs can still pass it. Oh, well, dogs can only see in shades. Shut up. Freud is analyzing the dreams of animals. You know how people say I could never or I would never imagine this in my wildest dreams? According to Freud's quote, it's because you can't. You're too dumb. Kids are able to dream anything. (laughs) Whatever, this guy could see inside the mind of an ocelot. Let's go to chapter four. Manifestation misreporting. Freud begins this one. He's like anticipating an argument that will destroy all of his assumptions. Plenty of dreams occur which contain the most distressing subject matter, but never a sign of any wish fulfillment. Like His whole last chapter was dreams are supposed to represent wishes. How do you explain nightmares? Freud says this is possible because the wish is based on the latent content, not the manifest content. More of his ways to analyze that he's not going to explain. Always got an explanation, this guy. Fucking don't focus on the monster when you're in the dream. Like, focus on what the monster is telling you. This is what people get wrong with psychedelics. The message is the trip. To academic this up, Marshall McLuhan would say the medium is the message. Don't get distracted by the... In the dream, the sharp colors, the vibrant sounds. I have dreams. One of my recurring nightmares is a floating baby. And I'm paralyzed. This baby is fucking floating around me. (laughs) You got to pay attention to the latent context, apparently. I'll psychoanalyze myself. I'm scared I will not be able to support an infant or some shit like that. I don't even want to have kids. Freud thinks when he interprets a good dream and a bad dream, the manifests are exact opposite. This message reinforces what he's saying up there. Like, (laughs) you have to pay attention to the symbols when it's like, how is the dream treating these people? When people say they had a bad trip, it's the same exact thing as having a bad dream. What did you fucking take away from it? Like, bad things happen in life. It's inevitable. How do you respond? A bad dream might be showing you what you're afraid of. And that's like a big part of knowing yourself. Socrates doesn't exactly answer the question he's proposing here. How can distressing dreams and anxiety dreams be wish fulfillments? That's how you learn from the anxiety to fuel your wishes. And do you actually want an answer, Freud, or do you want us to if I could buy your Coke? He had a story here about an old lady having nightmares that she couldn't feed the poor even though that they showed up to her soup kitchen. And Freud was telling her, although you feel discomfort in the dream, it's having a positive effect on your subconscious. You know, the latent context is that you're doing the right thing. But the manifest is, oh my God, all these people are mad at me. I can't feed them. You showed up, but the supply chain failed. Freud gave an example of his own 1897 Vienna College. He received the Professor Extraordinaire Award. And so when they announced his name, he jumped out of his seat in excitement. All of his co-workers looked at him, and he regrets it to this day. He fucking feels it. I'm clamming up right now. <laughs> Talk about floating baby dreams. I'm not going to tell you about my bombing dreams, but yeah, those are fucking reoccurring nightmares. You have to learn from your dreams, or they will fucking haunt you forever. I wake up every night hearing that in a cold sweat. Why did you say that? (laughs) 
Freud's Uncle Joseph got jailed for criminal financial dealings. He had nightmares about botching the crime worse than he had. So this guy's uncle... <laughs> listen to this. I fucking read into Uncle Joseph he had. This guy had a glaucoma. <laughs> so his prescription for that was cocaine. So sig isn't that just a funny time on earth? Hey, doc, my eyes hurt. Can I have cocaine? <laughs> Sigmund was one of these doctors, and we still take his word as Bible. I don't know, man. Dreams, to summarize this chapter, he's trying to say all dreams are wish fulfillments. Why do we have fucking nightmares, my dude? <laughs> like, uh, dreams don't have to abide by earth ethics. That's a better way to put it. When... I, I dream about raping girls. What, you can't arrest me for that or me to me that? I, it's in the dream world. You don't have to follow your normal dream continuum. Like, I don't fucking want to do that in real life. Or do I? <laughs> Freud's like a, the dream magician out here, so let's just trust his rules of thumb. He says the more distressing manifestations are in a dream, the more latent meaning the dream had. So definitely keep your eyes out for floating babies and try to learn from the scary shit. Chapter 5, Daily Duper. He sets out to show us what dreams are made of. His materialism is showing here. How could you be <laughs> a materialist when you're the dream scientist? That's another day one Phil 101. Internal, external, materialist, non-material. Are atoms real? Freud thinks maybe. <laughs> prefaces this dream stuff with a false quote dreams a false point quote dreams show a clear preference for the impressions of the immediately preceding days his whole first part of this chapter is saying dreams partake in the memories of your recent past again i'm gonna just disagree from the bat i have dreams from my childhood He's saying, well, that's because you wish you were a child. Yeah, actually, Freud, I wish I was dead. <laughs> what is this guy talking about? See, you might have a dream about childhood, but that's because you thought you were a child yesterday. What the fuck is this logic? You don't have to have logic. We're talking about dreams. <sighs> Yo, I tried to make this joke work early Nick's nonfiction. What am I? It's not even a joke. It's an observation. I hate when people tell me about their dreams. Who cares? This isn't real. It didn't happen. Do you want me to psychoanalyze you? What is the? What are we doing here? <laughs> I'm just trying to shoot down Freud for you guys. And when your teachers s him off, maybe they have MFP. He's this guy's the Fauci of philosophy. That guy can. <laughs> I'll digress. This guy doesn't understand materialism, and he's trying to figure out what dreams are showing us things from the previous day. You see how it all ties together? Materialism is his thought, and that's why your dreams come from the past few days. Sure. He doubles down on the point. He's going, while dreams can select their material from any part of the dreamer's life, there will always be a train of thought linking the experience of the daydream with the earlier one. So now he's linking his previous idea of free association with daydreams. So at least we're getting a little in look on what a daydream is. 
and it's more of this fucking <laughs> linking any two ideas possible. So what is thinking and what is daydreaming, right? Because this is what creativity is, those people who study that say. It's the ability to link two extraneous ideas. Holocaust, Chuck E. Cheese. You got to stand in line when you're waiting for Chuck's Pizza. Same thing for the gas chambers. Maybe you took a train to Chuck E. Cheese. They still make you fucking shave your heads to get the tokens right. You get the point. You could make a connection between anything. Freud's argument is completely bunk here. It's the hasty generalization fallacy. <laughs> Straight up, this guy's lying. You can link most any two ideas. I think... Our subconscious makes these connections, like, in our dream. But also it shows that you can create new neural pathways while we sleep. That's why it makes you live longer and keeps you healthy. <laughs> he thinks, like, a, like I said, a stim addict. You're just running through your old connections. It's more psychedelic, bruv. Freud's counter would be something along the lines of... <laughs> Maybe an event you haven't learned the lesson for yet happened in the last two days. There's so much more to the subconscious, my dude. Read some Carl Jung. Spends the last half of the chapter talking about how he worked at a botanical garden and he was only able to dream about plants. <laughs> Definitely, your immediate environment influences your dreams. Other people are able to dream different landscapes, though. He's stuck on a one-tracked mind. Am I high or am I not? <laughs> it's a superficial argument that I'm making here. My point is that dreams might be trying to teach you something, whether it's past, present, or future. You know, didn't Freud ever dream about Tomorrowland? That's like one of the most <laughs> common dreams I've reported also. Honestly, I think this guy's just fixated on his own theories. He can't detach. He's mentioning how, like, while working at the botanical garden yeah he met some more chicks and then he dreamed about them moving on he's like whenever i dream of artichokes it reminds me to bring my wife flowers <laughs> and some free association with him he loved artichokes as a child and his mom loved flowers I actually think he just wanted to bang his mom and he's putting his <laughs> weird advice on all of us. You guys want to do this too subconsciously. Stop it, Shlomo. <laughs> his purpose of the chapter was like to say dreams are about the day leading up to it. And now he's saying that he wants to have sex with his old librarian in his dreams. He's Freudian slipping himself into destroying his own arguments. <laughs> Some actual evidence here to try to end it on long quote. A physician in his 30s told me that from the earliest days of his childhood to the present time, a yellow lion frequently appeared in his dreams. He was able to give a minute description of it, a whole minute description of a little toy. This lion out of his dreams made its appearance one day in bodily form as a china ornament that had long disappeared. The young man then learned from his mother that this object had been his favorite toy during his early childhood, though he himself had forgotten the fact. A little bit of trivial information in there. Still something to be learned. You got to pay attention. A lot of those gurus say the language of the universe is signs, symbols, and there's another S, sex, signs and symbols. Like that's, <laughs> I don't know what the 
other side is trying to fucking talk to you with. This is how you go psychotic. Freud would have to put you on drugs for. But when you do it in dreams, you're being a scientist. So he's pointing out, you know, pay attention to the reoccurring items in your dreams. As I'm saying, there's probably a deeper meaning behind it. It's not just some weird artifact that will show up in your china cabinet in the future. These things have deeper meanings. Do a dream journal. Let me give you some fucking practical advice because Shlomo's just going to toke his dick for the rest of the chapter. I can suck my own dick. Who said that? Yeah, everybody tries it as a child. Uh, Freudian slip. Dream journaling is like the best thing you could do. You start to see those reoccurring symbols and what you're avoiding. Just uh, You could get it done in two hours rather than eight hours of sleep. Take one gram, not even a lot of psychedelic, you know, and just start journaling, baby. A lot of relevant stuff in this chapter. The stories don't change. I read too much. All of the archetypes are the same. They're just told over time with changing features. Sigmund is trying to say dreams have the same latent message. You manifest them in topical ways that are happening in your day-to-day life. Dreaming is the ultimate story. Like I said, you are the dreamer. You are the experiences. Or you could go to Chuck E. Cheese and Auschwitz all in one night. In your dream, <laughs> be mindful of reoccurring animatronics and uh, Nazis and how the dream treats them. Let's go chapter six. This one's our second to last deceptive dream work. I just looked. I forgot my water. There's going to be increased mouth sounds in this last one. Freud begins this one saying, We are not in general in a position to interpret another person's dreams. What? So thanks for all the psychoanalyzation. Unless he is prepared to communicate to us the unconscious thoughts that lie behind its content. It only works if the person is being 100% honest. The whole find the right therapist thing. You got to be fully open to interpret new ideas to their conclusion. And this guy is going (laughs) inductive logic backwards what should be deductive, trying to find the conclusion. He's trying to get you back to the source. This guy's upside down world. You got to be fully open to new interpretations of things to think harder. I don't know, man. Your fucking therapist already has their mind made up about everything and how they're going to Thera- give you tips they already have thought of. This isn't thinking or free form or anything. Freud's going to get more metaphysical as honest for the last two chapters. Just remember to be open to what a dream is and why it makes you feel a certain way. I've gotten night sweats my whole life to break it up a little bit here. I don't have enemies. You know, why do I wake up in a cold sweat? <laughs> it's scary, man. The fucking point of this chapter, he said the latent context behind the scene. (laughs) It's uh, your brain is your villain. I said I don't have villains. It's not until you fix your immediate environment that things will change. I'm saying your brain is a feral animal that lives inside your head. You do not have full control. Another good yogi quote. You are not the voice inside your head. You are the one that hears it. You got to be able to detach from the ego and the mind or the ethos, as the OGs would say. Your brain literally isn't you. It's the villain sometimes, and your brain will terrorize you 
if you don't do what it wants. <laughs> You'll wake up in a cold sweat until you fix the things that it's making you. Freud's bringing up, like, the dream people have being naked in front of an audience. He brought up the one getting lost, someone in your dream, and then he brought up the dream test. He's going, all three of these are open to analyzation on what they're pointing to. This isn't deep again, but I'm saying you can learn from any of these. They're all anxiety dreams. You're an anxious person. Learn how to deal with stress. I think there's something to why you sleep so good after your body experiences a lot of stress. I'll do fucking 15-mile hikes into the tundra, and I sleep like a goddamn baby on the cold, hard ground. You feel more refreshed in the morning, even when you, you know, just do extra hard work that day. <laughs> I don't know, man. Your brain is a wild animal. You got to feed it that novelty that it desires. Your brain is an engine that needs new experience. One of my favorite uh, dreams that I would have as a kid, you go to Six Flags, and then that night it feels like you can actually feel it. You're undergoing G's. Your Spider-Man dream is a lot more realistic because you feel the blood rushing to the back of your head. That was a good one as a kid. <laughs> I need a. I got that one when I would ride motorcycles too. He had a. If you probably meditate on it, you could probably get it back. <laughs> if that's your priority. He had a patient with a reoccurring dream about his dead sister. He would talk to her in the dream world, which made him unhappy. But then when he woke up, he felt immense grief. Freud was going, the patient was open about his feelings. So I know the dream is trying to get him to grieve. It's just like that story before about the lady who couldn't feed the soup kitchen. Try different things out. Journal it in a different angle. He's dreaming of people who've passed as a universal sign that you need to grieve. He said another patient felt sad seeing an old friend in the dream and glowed happy when he woke up. People have complete opposite uh, approaches to the same exact dream. So I'm saying it's your interpretation that is paramount to any of this stimuli and crap. How are you feeling about the thing? <laughs> Literally, it's how you relate to the feeling do not let somebody else interpret your dreams for you i actually think it's kind of dangerous to let someone else interpret your life for you some clinician okay this thing is a uh, first person experience to give you some testable data because freud won't he i read about rem cycles in that why we sleep book and every two hours you hit a rem cycle the feeling you have when you wake up from the first dream will get more intense through the preceding cycles. And Freud actually brought this up like uh, dreams often continue between a break. There's nothing between telling it how consistent that happens. Just look at those charts of REM cycles. We're 400 pages in. Freud finally drops the term dream work. <laughs> so yeah, if you want to advance what you're seeing in the dream world advance your mind another quote he's got here that uh, supports my theory that sounds antisocial but it's true this thing has to be interpreted by you that's why people are individuals Klaus Schwab he says the task of the dreamer is to interpret the connection between the manifest and the latent context that is your task you gotta find out what it means it's kind of like uh, the plot of Inception 
we're talking about dreams, drawing some cultural references. The point of this movie was that you can insert in somebody's mind an idea and make them think it was their own. That's what the term inception means. The moment your subconscious formulates a new idea. Freud is saying there's a lot of daily distractions with all the influence in your dreams. If you dig deep enough, you can see where your ideas are coming from. So there's a little bit of validity to his previous thing. If you listen hard enough to your dreams, you can decipher what you are as a person. Like I'm saying, even the nightmares help. Freud is saying, don't throw out the manifests entirely. Those are puzzle pieces that represent deeper meanings in your life. I don't know, take some time to enjoy the details. But remember, that's not the message. Sigmund said, while a dream might fill half a page, once it is written out of the dream analysis, might occupy six, eight, or a dozen times as much space. Again, he's an English professor. He's not a fucking dream interpreter. Writing can help anybody make sense of their thoughts. Shlomo did not invent this. The pen is mightier than the sword. He had another cool phrase up here, dream condensation. This is like the uh, same exact thing as the dream continuum, but it verifies what I said before. Medically, you have interrupted a REM cycle, and there are wild chemicals in your brain. Metaphysically, we are being yanked out of the fucking spiritual classroom. If you really want to get hippie on it, you got to finish the dreams you started, bitch. Bought the ticket, you got to take the ride and the G's thereafter. Got to let me postulate here. Maybe that grogginess is to help teach individuals the lessons that they are ignoring. Some people will never understand. Stupid dreams, brain go. It's the whole the body keeps the score movement. You know, those books. Your brain is going to fucking terrorize you, bro. <laughs> like, you need to fix your immediate environment, he's saying. You really got to think of it as from a different perspective. Your body is trying, maybe the sleep condensation, the perpetual grogginess that most Americans feel. This could be our brain trying to tell us, hey man, we're fucking miserable. You're staying groggy until we get out of this depression. It doesn't always mean changing jobs, maybe finding a new hobby or something novel can bring back that spark of life. The, your sleeping time is the easiest time for your brain to communicate its ideas to you. And <laughs> if you will not pay attention to that, it will start leaking into your uh, waking hours. I don't know why this like would matter to most Americans. A fourth of U.S. citizens take z and Ambien sleeping aids. People are so fucking drugged up, their bodies cannot access REM sleep. These, <laughs> I'll go deep, these food chemicals are making it so we can't really contact with our higher senses. I've quit sugar, and uh, I don't want to be one of these guys. Like, when I eat it the next day, I feel hungover. You don't realize what all of this glyphosate is doing to your body until you get off of it. My dreams are more vivid. <laughs> the night after a sugar binge... What did I get into last night? There's a box of donuts next to me. I got 10 missed calls from Papa John's delivery. <laughs> Nobody is getting real sleep. It's exacerbated. 
in this sleep fog that goes on for years and holy shit we die early because of it go back and listen to why we sleep library of congress congo i'm not afraid to say it people wi-fi radio waves 5g it's all fucking with our sleep too there are actual faraday cage studies people fucking make a tinfoil dome around their bed and they hit deeper rem sleep cycles science baby don't report that in the news otherwise people won't buy ambien freud had an overweight client who had a reoccurring dream of caviar and cakes he was going i'm happy to eat myself sick in the dream world but when i wake up i actually feel nauseous the dream gave him everything he needed he got to binge in the dream and then he woke up and he was sick this is every anorexic's dream (laughs) uh i don't know man dreams are definitely something bigger do that dream work try to fucking narrow down where your sleep condensation is coming from society let's go to our final chapter number seven subconscious snuffing Not a heavy-hitting thesis for this last chapter. He's saying the language of a dream is communicated with what has a significance over how the dream is interpreted. It's exactly what I said before. It's how you interpret the dang thing. You gotta be a fucking calculated killer when you're dream journaling. Been a wacky day here. We're barely grounded in reality. Definitely towing the metaphysical line for this last chapter. I want to try to weave in a word that did get used in classical antiquity, volition. It's supposed to be the proper balance balance of reason and emotion. Like, when you're getting in touch with your subconscious or your dreams, you don't want to be too rational and you don't want to be too dramatic. Volition. We can't tell. The world is somewhere in between chaos and order mystery and scientific known it's somewhere in the middle he says for the remainder of the book he aims to explain the mental processes that give rise to dreams sounds psychedelic like he's about to fucking take us deep quote before starting off along this new path it will be well to pause and look around to see whether in the course of our journey up to this point we have overlooked anything important For it must be clearly understood that the easy, be agreeable portion of our life lies behind us. Let's go and get your affairs in order. Hitherto, great word, hitherto, unless I am greatly mistaken, all the paths along which we have traveled have led us towards the light, towards elucidation, fuller understanding. But as soon as we endeavor to penetrate more deeply into the mental processes inward, dreaming in every path will end in darkness whoa count your blessings and be grateful at a certain point it's going to start to get dark the brightest lights cast the darkest shadows type of shit we got people like hamilton morris luckily in our generation who will go off the deep end of psychedelics and they all say you really do get some bits of enlightenment And eventually it gets dark again. The whole entire latter half of Sigmund Freud's life was a nightmare. Just like Nietzsche, he died alone and sad. Fucking Sigmund Freud had something like 40 surgeries in 10 years. I'm sure his cigars didn't help and all the... His cocaine. 
these guys have really, really dark winters, later halves of their life. And Freud is saying, once you come to terms with your dreams, your fears, you can start asking the harder questions about the human mental process. Do you want to ask those questions? <laughs> Definitely not after a certain point. It's got some painful truth coming in hot here. Quote, it has been objected on more than one occasion that we have in fact no knowledge of the dreams that we set out to interpret or speaking more correctly that we have no guarantee that we know them as they actually occurred. <laughs> Even at the end of his book, he's caveating all of his science saying, how do we know that our dreams or our memories are not one or the other? How did we not replace our memories with dreams or our dreams are just memories we forgot? He's going, as time goes on, years ago, feel like dreams. That's probably the scariest thing I heard from the book, how old people <laughs> think like decades from past their life is a dream. No! The same way you wake up and fill in the gaps of a dream, you don't remember all of it. Freud is trying to say the same thing happens with the narrative of your life. Holy shit! That means like everybody over the age of 40 is maniacal <laughs> they don't have a grip on reality there's a sweet spot in the middle man babies have a, a trillion neurons you literally get stupider when you grow what do heck <laughs> uh good observation by freud he's going the gaps could be there for a reason like you're trying to block out all the trauma in your life <laughs> it ain't all pushing daisies doesn't that mean death some therapy clients initially get worse when they start prodding around their past. Yeah, Freud knows all this shit. <laughs> it doesn't help everybody to go to a fucking therapist. And I'll caveat myself, it doesn't help everybody to take a god dose. Start small. Sounding like a prescription at the end, he says, In dream work, remember the importance of practice, of letting go of self-criticism and bias, of existing patience, of not being too quick to assume that the true maintenance of a dream has been discovered and of not assuming that every dream can be interpreted. Yeah. That is volition right there, baby. At some point in everyone's life, you got to have a healthy dose of what the hell was this? <laughs> for I call this the psychological investigations for which we have so long been arming ourselves. Your brain, it really does, like, fortify itself and set up defenses for you that is inevitably going to come and clean house. Your brain is, well, no, we do this because we have to. <laughs> you, the half of the shit everybody does is irrational. you got to clean that out very often. Dreams help with that. Stop taking Z-Quil. Straight up, he said your brain is made of psi systems <laughs> that are outside the boundaries of physics. That is two thumbs up for me. Why'd you have to wait to the last chapter to say it? Redemption point, he goes, the current model needs a complete overhaul of the conscious controlling the subconscious. For most people, we really don't know what's in control here. <laughs> Damn, scary. Got a summary and fucking broken English from Sigmund. It discharges excitation, serves as a dream safety valve, and at the same time preserves the sleep of the per pernicious in return for a small expenditure of walking activity. Dreams are a good escape. You go live out your fantasies in a different world. You get to go binge and then wake up feeling full. 
in terms of survival, it's got to be the dumbest thing that we do. Fucking what? You're a hot pocket for a bear. It's nothingness for 56 hours a week. You got to be happy that we dream at least. It's a little bit of entertainment. He ends it on a most comedic an Austrian can get this quote. In other words, dreams are kind of like volcanic eruptions or belches. They release pent-up pressure, the excitations of the unconscious, in order to maintain the holistic stability of the whole. The conclusive interpretation of dreams from Shlomo Freud. Dreams are burps. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for turning into Siggy's Min to the interpretation of dreams. That was definitely a good one. Uh, Want to get into this more inexplicable side of things for sure. Sigmund, I'm not sure if we'll have him back. That's a one-hit wonder for sure, much like the interpretation. As for next week, we've got a fun show ahead. We're heading back out into nature. This one is called Deep Survival. Who survives, who dies, and why? crazy stories we're going over avalanches failed navigations you got some angsty animals in the bunch mr gonzalez is talking all about how certain people panic some people freeze and some people are able to tap into their animal side deep survival that's definitely going to be a fun one and i want to thank you guys one more time for tuning in to the latest and greatest edition of nick's nonfiction. my name is nick munez can I get a random soundboard effect now that we have it? 64 bits. 32 bits. 16. Very gay. That is my younger brother who spends 50 hours a week on the computer. I'm sorry you just got a hold of that there. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you one more time for tuning in to the interpretation of dreams. We'll see you all in seven short days. My name is Nick Munez. Patreon.com slash the niche. Harry Schwant on Instagram. Take it easy out there. Later. <laughs>